Hi, my name is Marcin Teodoro. I'm the co-founder of Fingertip Maestro, and Maestro is a music application for iOS. Um, I'm a filmmaker and entrepreneur, and I'm also going to be launching an Indiegogo campaign uh, June 9th that's going to be raising money to purchase 30 tablets in 30 days and donate them to the Los Angeles Boys and Girls Clubs and other organizations around town. So hopefully you can join us. And you're listening to the App Guy Podcast. The App Guy Podcast. Straight from your host, Paul, the App Guy. And now, Paul, the App Guy. Welcome to another episode of the App Guy podcast. It's me, your host. I'm Paul Kemp. And it's uh, the podcast that helps you as entrepreneurs, business owners, app developers, whatever it is that you're doing. This is the podcast that helps by interviewing some of the most uh, interesting and inspiring guests I can find around the world and today is no exception because we have uh, for the first time uh, you know in a, over a hundred odd episodes this is the first filmmaker that we've managed to get onto the uh, app guy podcast so i'm really really excited uh, his name is martin teodoro and he is an entrepreneur filmmaker and the founder of circle films and also he has an app called fingertip maestro app a really interesting app should suggest you go and uh, check that out on the uh, apple store now it's fingertip maestro app and he's got an indiegogo project he's going to tell us about as well which is doing some great stuff so uh marcin a warm welcome to the uh, app guy podcast hey paul thank you so much that's an amazing uh, intro <laughs> yeah an amazing given my voice is breaking up i've actually uh i'm a little bit ill here but uh we're going to carry on uh, I've, I've, unfortunately the weather over here in the uk has been pretty bad and then ended up going on holiday last week and uh yeah anyway <laughs> so hopefully my voice will stick it out but uh but it's you we want to hear from today you're going to inspire the audience and we're really interested how on earth did you start uh, a career in filmmaking it's everyone's dream it was my dream as a kid how did you get involved with that oh it was out of desperation (laughs) actually i can do you actually want to hear like the first day how it actually started i would uh, would love to Uh, seriously that was i remember as a five-year-old uh doing a a film shoot you know with my camera at the time and uh just seen star wars for the first time i was really inspired i desperately wanted to be a a filmmaker and that that obviously vanished by the age of maybe 14 but uh, uh yeah the first day would be great Okay, so I'll give you the, the, the lowdown. Uh, thank you for, for this opportunity, Paul, by the way. I love, your, I love the show, and it's, it's, it's an honor to be on here. Um, yeah, so how it started, actually, was I was uh, 16 and a half, and um, I was driving around, and it was a rainy day, and I crashed my first car. This is a true story. <laughs> and I was hanging out at my friend's house, and I was completely broke. I had no gas money, and I had a car with the, the most horrible dent on the side of it, and I don't know what to do. I couldn't even afford insurance at the time. And I went over to my buddy's house, Dustin, and his mom was working for a new tech startup. This was in 1996. And I was sitting there, and I was depressed, and I was like, I don't know what I'm going to do. I think I need to get a job. And I was already trying out a few different things for cash. And she said, well, why don't you just come tomorrow, and we're doing a focus group, and uh, I'll pay you $100. I said, wow, that sounds amazing. What do I have to do? And she goes, you just have to sit down and talk about stuff. I said, okay, this is, sounds easy enough. I can do this. <laughs> so the, surely enough, next morning I headed into the office and I went over to Warner Brothers Big Lot and I sat in front of about 300 people in suits on a stage with five other kids. And it kind of struck me as like, this is very interesting. I've never been in such a position. And I was wondering, like, what do I have to say to basically come back here. That was the first thought I had because it was such a cool place. It was incredible. And it was the back lot of Warner Brothers. 
Long story short, they started asking questions about the internet. So this was 96, obviously pre-boom, and um, all kinds of stuff. Do you use the internet? Do you use chat? Do you use video? What kind of stuff are you into? And I really wasn't into that stuff at the time, but what I decided to do was say, you know what? I'm going to try to stick this out. So I started getting really engaged in the conversation, and the interview, well, not even an interview, the focus group lasted about an hour and a half, and after, everybody left, and somebody came up to me and said, hey, kid, that was pretty interesting what you have to say up there. And I was like, really? I was like, okay. And I was like, do you have my $100? <laughs> <laughs> right, okay. <laughs> and he said, well, yeah. He goes, well, do you have a job? And I said, no. And he goes, well, do you want one? And I said, sure, I'll take a job. And he goes, well, what's minimum wage? And as a joke, I said, $20 an hour. And he started laughing and he said, well, I'll give you 10 Start on Monday. And that was it. And I literally had a job that day and I couldn't believe it. And I went home and I talked to Cheryl and said, wait, did I just really talk my way into a job? And sure enough, Monday morning, I come around into the, the headquarters and I started basically being an intern and they gave me a full-time gig and that started the whole career. What, what a lovely story. And I, I just love the yeah. fact that it started from adversity there with a, a, a car <laughs> crash. <clears throat> My car crash was nothing like it. but. Uh, <clears throat> And so uh, you, you've ended up then, uh, I guess, being this filmmaker. Is it fair to say that all filmmakers are entrepreneurs because they have to go through fundraising and, and do a lot of stuff that entrepreneurs have to do? Absolutely. I actually think it's one of the toughest businesses out there. Um, you have to wear so many different hats, especially when it comes to actually filmmaking, um, because you do have to come up with ideas. You have to get a team together, raise money, go through the whole process. So, yeah, it's definitely a task. And, you know, I guess we can appreciate how competitive it is, uh, you know, being a filmmaker, because, you know, in, in the app market, uh, well, I guess five, six years ago, it was a lot easier to get onto the uh, top uh, charts of uh, Apple and Google. Now it's, it's really difficult because the comp competition is just so uh, incredibly uh, fierce. And uh, just, I, I just wondered if, um, yeah, how, how hard it is to get, get yourself noticed in in the film world yeah i mean from my experience what i did after um starting the job there i, I was there for about four years and uh, they laid everybody off in 2000 when the whole boom went crashing so i ended up freelancing and i took a few jobs at post-production facilities so i basically went super technical um, i wasn't trying to be a director at the time i was really just trying to find a way to make a living so i started um, freelancing design work editing work filming work and, um, and started picking up odd jobs. And over time, you basically start picking up different skill sets. And after a few years, I said about spent about five years doing that, I realized that I could actually make a living doing this. So through all of those kind of, I guess I would say tests and different tiny projects from commercials to music videos that paid very little money to then go into corporate world and actually getting the opportunity to work on larger projects. So it was definitely a very difficult process, but the one thing was you just had to always just kind of keep looking what the next project is, and hopefully it's a bigger project with a little more money. But there was definitely hundreds of video projects that we probably did collectively in those, you know, in those five years. So this is really interesting because your clients, you know, would be, I guess, the similar clients to anyone building apps for corporations and uh, anyone who's, you know, doing third-party apps for building other, for others. So, so how did you go about uh, getting your clients? You know, was it? Have uh, you got any advice for us on, on how how your strategy was for actually getting each project? 
Um, yeah, actually, the way I did it, when I first started, it was really just trying to just latch onto any project you possibly could. So, I, I mean, I scoured the internet for odd jobs. I did a lot of cold calling, to be honest. Um, I picked up a job over the summer, I remember, out in like Santa Ana. And it was essentially like selling marketing. It was selling air, basically, on, on, on the phone. <laughs> Right. And um, and it taught me rejection. I mean, to the fullest form. I mean, I probably made three hundred calls and, and sold one um, job. So through that, I got a lot of experience. Just really, just picking up the phone, being confident, and just calling people and telling them, "Hey, listen, like this is what we offer. I checked out your video and uh, your website, and I think you can use the service." And then try to get in front one on one. I'm definitely a believer in trying to like get in front of people when you're trying to sell them. And, um, and show what you do and be passionate about it. And over time, hopefully, um, your product in the end is of a high quality where people can actually appreciate it. And then that gets a lot easier. So then you kind of get the word of mouth presence and people start contacting you when they see your work. But definitely get out there and just got to do it. It's, this is interesting to me because uh, it's in terms of, uh, uh, it's one of the reasons why I did the podcast was because it's much easier to establish trust when you have a presence and you can put yourself out there. Uh, I, I was like you um, doing lots of cold calling uh, when I was uh, setting up my agency uh, several years ago. And it was exactly like you say, a lot of rejection. It's because one of my past guests put it very well. They said, uh, you know, if you, if you had a, a friend come over to you and say, hey, come over here, I've got something to show you, you'd easily go because you trust them. But if you had uh, you know, a stranger as you're walking past a dark alleyway say, hey, come over here, I've got something to show you, <laughs> you'd never go because you don't trust them. And I guess that's the same for picking up clients and uh, cold calling and all this sort of stuff. Uh, so that's one of the reasons why I ended up trying to build trust with the podcast. Uh, and I guess the same is for filmmaking. Once you've got projects out there and you put your portfolio out there, is it true that the work comes to you? Yeah, I mean, I would say after four or five years, that, that definitely was the case. Um, I started getting a lot more calls, and I slowly stopped the kind of actually cold calling because there, there's pros and cons of both. I mean, if you call enough people, you might get that one job, but nine out of ten times, that job is going to be a real big headache. So there's always that kind of 80-20 ratio, you know, where 20% of the projects are 80% of your headache. So once you have enough of jobs coming in, you can kind of eliminate those and filter those out. And then it kind of becomes a little more of a creative space than just like hustling to make the next dollar and being a little more um, picky as far as the projects that you're able to pick on. Marcin, this is so true. It's like even as, as um, just a few years ago, uh, I was working with uh, clients who I ended up getting through, you know, cold calling and stuff uh, and really marketing to them. Uh, and they were really hard to work with. Lots of negotiating, <laughs> you know, pa hammering me down on price and all this sort of stuff. And uh, I sort of made the, re the, the choice of uh, actually just flipping that and, and putting the work out there through content marketing and then having uh, work come to me. And, and when you have clients knocking on your door, they're much better to work with. Is that the same in the filmmaking industry? Oh, yeah, absolutely. There's no denying that. Once people actually come to you, there's, a, I guess, like a certain level of respect on both sides where you come recommended. And then I want to obviously always put my best foot forward, but then they come into the situation going, okay, this guy has obviously worked with the person I know, so I don't have to come at him so hard. 
is kind of how I've always looked at it. And then everybody's kind of at ease and things can just flow a lot smoother. And if there is issues, I think there's more of an understanding when it comes with those. So that's definitely a huge part of it, I think. And that repeat business, once you start building on those relationships, like I actually still have clients um, that I do work now for every three, four months, they'll contact me for something. And I've had the same client for 10 years. Oh, that's and cool. it's, that's amazing. What what <laughs> uh, what a wonderful you know like way of building up relationship over time. Uh, so you, you're a filmmaker. You're doing all these uh, corporate commercials and uh, short films, and and then you get into app development. How how did that happen? I guess it all comes full circle, huh? When you start in tech, you end in tech. Is <laughs> <laughs> yeah. the way is the way I look at. Well, let's it. hope it's not um, the end. But uh, tell, <laughs> tell us but, uh, no, tell us how, mean, you, how how that happened. Uh, another sure. interesting story, please. Yeah, so I mean, the, the thing is, I was always passionate about technology, and I was a, just a failed developer. I mean, I tried doing a bunch of um, coding, web development back in the day, and I just never had the mind for it. But I always had a good skill at finding the right people to execute kind of either my passion, my dreams, or someone else's. So, And it always tended to be um, tech stuff. So one project that I did was called uh, TurntableU.com. It's an online DJ school. And um, we're still live. We've been live for about five years. We have about 25,000 users. And it was like the first tech project that I did while doing all the film stuff. And it was such a nice marriage for me because I brought a lot of the kind of business side of actually getting the, the work and then being able to implement the video stuff. Because the visual is such a huge part of, I guess, any company, especially the app world and technology. So it was just like a perfect marriage of saying, I want to do technology, I want to do film. So I just decided one day to say, you know what, let's give this a try. And I launched a new company called Lucid Lab Technology. And um, I found a great um, partner, investor, who put a little money and some trust in me from a five-year film relationship. <laughs> and, um, and we basically started building our first product, which was a film-related um, task management system. And we spent about a year getting into that. And as we all learn in the app world, I went in there thinking it was going to be the greatest thing in the world. And a year into it, we still didn't launch it, and it was a complete failure. You know, so that was definitely like an amazing lesson to learn very early on. We ended up then um, trying a few other smaller apps, which did fairly well. And then I ended up meeting Mark Oko, my co-founder, and we uh, built Fingertip Maestro. And now we're uh, kind of riding that journey, and it's been an incredible journey so far. Yeah, and, and you're actually doing an Indiegogo project. Tell us about that. Yeah, so, uh, so Fingertip Maestro is a music application. It allows um, anyone really with um, musician or non-musician to instantly being able to create beautiful music. With a swipe of a finger, we built a very kind of simple UI that allows you to, um, to create beautiful chord progressions. You can record, share. So through that experience, we took the app to schools and started showing it to kids. And that was an amazing experience in itself. We were able to give back and um, let them enjoy the application and also the technology with the form of an iPad. But there was a huge issue where well, once we left, we realized these kids at this organization, which was the Los Angeles Boys and Girls Club, didn't have iPads. So that day we were like, we need to raise money for kids and, um, and purchase and donate iPads to the organization. So that's what our crowdfunding campaign is. So right. we're trying to, uh, yeah, we're trying to purchase, we're trying to raise money to purchase 30 tablets for the Los Angeles Boys and Girls Club in 30 days. 
So uh, for people listening, then they can go to the show notes. It's theappguy.co. Just uh, look for the episode with Marcin Teodoro, and uh, then you'll you'll see a link to the Indiegogo project, which uh, you said was live uh, June the 9th, which is, uh, I guess, in the past, uh, once this airs. Uh, so, so Marcin, uh, in terms of, uh, I love, I mean, this is the App Guy podcast, I love talking about apps, we love trying to create uh, apps, uh, app ideas, and, you know, given that you're in filmmaking, uh, what I thought is, uh, have you got any ideas for apps that are about, you know, like involved with filmmaking? I mean, I'm thinking of some of the, the most popular apps that are over the last few years, you know, the one by Bad Robot with the special effects. Mm-hmm. You can incorporate uh, some really pretty, actually good Hollywood special effects into your short videos. Uh, have you have you seen um, an, an explosion of interest in, in filmmaking apps? Yeah, so I mean, the first product that we tried building was actually um, film related. But what I did is I attempted just too large of a, of a bite to chew on that first one, but I still want to pursue that. I think it's actually quite a great idea. Um, it's the simplified version of a task management system. So it's just purely about communication. So one of the major issues in film, um, as other businesses, but I think especially in film, is there's just so many moving components, so many different people at different places at different times, and stuff needs to happen very quickly especially during production days. And there's really no way of communicating. We try to use email and text messages, but people don't have service. There's just a real kind of mess in that whole space. So a lot of companies have tried to kind of clean up that process, but no one's really done it. Some companies have done it well, but I would say they're very cumbersome and very heavy applications where you need to learn. It's not just a simple kind of push, click, communicate. And that was kind of what we were trying to do. So I think that would be something that I would love to pursue um, later. Yeah, and just in terms of that, I was thinking one of our past guests, a guy called Steve Spaulding, uh, he has uh, in beta at the moment just launching a task management system uh, for, for breaking down complex tasks and putting them into a very nice uh, uh, online cloud service. And uh, so I'm sure that he'd be happy for you to like beta test that. Uh, so I'll put you in touch, but but uh, the, the, one of the one of the ways we try to develop apps or app ideas is to think about things that are really frustrating you in your current uh, business uh, or personal life. Uh, do you have any pain points that you can think of over the last few months that have been a real frustration for you, and maybe we could flesh out another idea for an app? Oh, pain points. Um. That's a tough one. I mean, I always look at email. I think email is just broken. And I think um, some of the services that I've tried never really handled everything together, just in one solution as a platform where you can get all of your, you know, contact emails, tasks, everything running. I guess it's the same problem as the app, which is communication when it comes down to it yeah. and trying to just streamline that process. You know, it's like, like currently I'm trying to, you know, use nine different task systems. And then in the end, I end up using Clear, which I still love because it's the most simple one. I don't know. I just keep getting gravitating towards simple. So yeah, if there that's was a, Clear, is it? Yeah, Clear app. Yeah. Yeah, that's uh, no, that's just one of the big frustrations. In fact, we had a past guest who uh, is really tried to 
tackle email and the problem with email. A guy called uh, Branko Cerny of Square One Mail, and they launched. And uh, yeah, it's quite an interesting way of, of just mm-hmm. muting certain uh, emails from certain people and uh, prioritizing them. But it's uh, a lot of people I- can complain about like just the abundance of email and, and how hard it is to manage, especially you know when it's coming through on our phones uh, constantly. Yeah, I have one other thing actually. Thinking about pain points, is um, in the in the the app space with development. Obviously, everyone has development horror stories. Just the difficulty of finding good developers for a good price to build high quality products. And I mean, I haven't done too much searching now, but I, it would be nice to have a very simple solution where you could basically get to a site. You can go to a developer's page. You can see the apps that he's built with no kind of selling tactics, just a very clear cut thing of like developer A has built these five apps here, there, in the store. You can just check them out. You can contact them directly. Almost like a dribble for developers would be pretty interesting. Marcin, you are talking to the right person. <laughs> so, uh, so strange that you mentioned that. I mean, obviously we didn't collude beforehand, but that's one of the big things I've been thinking about in, in in people coming to me and I just make recommendations on some of the app developers they should a- approach. But I was thinking of, uh, of a real way of uh, just coll- collating who, you know, the developers are, what, uh, what their portfolios are, what reviews they have, perhaps from past customers, just making the whole process so much easier because developing mm-hmm. an app, we've had so many stories on this podcast of uh, people losing a lot of money, uh, maybe going to the wrong developers. Uh, we had a lady who was being sued by a developer, um, you know, for breach of copyright. And it was just it was just a horror story. And I was thinking it must be a better way. And so I was just trying to uh, understand you know, the way of, of maybe make breaking down the whole process of building an app and unbundling the whole thing. And then, it, you mm. know, literally going through the prototyping and the development and, and then having like a, a trusted source of developers where you get to see their work and, and, and you can ap- approach them directly or you can work through this uh, system. So that's what I've been thinking of. Yeah, that's, that's funny. Definitely on the same page, you know. In our example, I mean, I went and did the typical thing, read every blog that I could about finding the right developer and followed all the tips and going through the different websites. And I ended up finding the good ones, but in the end, the good ones was just purely came down to getting them what they wanted to do the job. And it always came down to financials. Like, if you have enough money, I'll build this and I'll do it in my spare time while I work on all these other fun projects. And that was a difficult thing, to be honest, for me, who's being a non-developer, is I was really looking for a place where these guys would be willing to you know, work at a decent rate, put out good product, be in a place where they, they themselves, the developers, won't feel like they're going to get ripped off. Because that's from the developer side. I've heard horror stories also, where they come on to these websites, they sign on, and their experience is terrible. So it's like a terrible experience on both ends, which is not fair to anybody. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it's like... <laughs> no, it's true. It's, uh, well, I think it's because it's a rather complex job. Uh, there's uh, a, a lot of, um, I guess, confusion about what it takes to build an app. Maybe there's not the appreciation. Like I had a client last year who was quite happy to spend quarter of a million uh, dollars plus on a website but when it came to building an app they didn't want to spend any money on the app that's the one that was negotiating me down and and it ended up not paying me as well so uh, yeah there, it, it could be uh, 
it could be tough on both sides and uh, there's got to be a better way out there so people listening if you can think of a better way then you know let, let, let us know the other thing we love to do martin is talk about apps and what's on your smartphone so uh, do you have any favorite apps that you think wouldn't have been mentioned before that you could bring to our attention um the one actually that i've been using a lot now which i just recently found it's a hootsuite i don't know if you're familiar with it i'm familiar it, with the desktop version yeah yeah so i've actually I've just, i just recently started using it and it's actually it works quite well i tried other platforms that did a similar thing but none of them really work correctly so i've been using that one a lot for sure so how do you and, actually use that that's with twitter isn't it where you um you can uh, tweet using Hootsuite. Yeah, so essentially what you can do is you connect all your social media platforms into one, which is Hootsuite, and then you can very quickly with one message um, populate all of your social media platforms. And on top of it, you can actually auto-schedule for things to go out. So what we're doing right now actually is uh, populating the next like 30-day plan for our Indiegogo campaign where we're looking for interesting things that are either coming up or we know of currently and populating, pre-populating our social reach out through all our networks. So it will fully automate that. So every day at a certain time that we pick, there will be a tweet and a post on Facebook and Pinterest that automatically go out. So you constantly have this flow of social media without really hiring a huge team to do so. Right, that sounds great. Yeah, that's definitely one that will be in the show notes, Hootsuite. Uh, any others? Yeah, the other one that I, uh, that I, that I really like is uh, there's a couple games recently that I discovered that are quite cool. I don't know if games are part of the... the yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah? You want to see, see how many games are on my iPad that my kids have? Oh, <laughs> it's about 100. Cool. Yeah, I've really been getting like super passionate into these really simple games that are beautifully designed. And um, there, there's two that come to mind. One is called Circadia. Have you played that one? No, I don't think I have, no. Yeah, it's a beautifully designed game. I, I won't even give it away. I'll let you take a look at it. And then the other one that I've been playing is a Bleck or Bleak, B-L-E-K. Right, okay. No. I yeah, so played. check those two out. They are fantastic. You're going to be on your phone for an hour, I'll tell you that. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but what they did is, again, going back to the simple, is they took a very simple idea and just put beautiful... UX behind it, beautiful UI in a simple design, and it works. You know, there's no nothing super complex, but the gameplay is super fun and easy. So, so Marcin, I know we're getting towards the end of the podcast, but I do have to uh, ask you about your launch sequence for Indiegogo because I think we can learn a lot from you. With you know, as app developers, we're constantly thinking about launch. You know, how to launch our apps. And uh, you, you sort of mentioned about the uh, Hootsuite and uh, pre-populating the tweets and sending those out over the 30 days of the launch of the campaign for the Indiegogo. Um, have you got any other tips in terms of how, how best to launch uh, an event or, uh, you know, like, um, well, like you're doing with Indiegogo? Um, the, the thing <laughs> we've had a lot of um, positive reaction and just the best feedback for either the app or the Indiegogo is going back to that cold calling and going out and meeting people. You know, we've really spent a lot of time um, basically going out and doing events, doing in-person demos of the app in front of schools, organizations, kids, um, tech meetups, just really going out to the users and getting them excited about it in person. 
because it's one thing to watch a video, even if you have the most interesting app, people do love seeing it on the internet, but when you can actually present it in front of them and they get to actually physically touch it and they get that satisfaction, that goes, I think, tenfold um, to sharing a video. So that would be another tip, and we've been doing it a lot. We didn't do it for the first couple months, and ever since we started, it's been really amazing seeing the reaction. People are instantly so excited about it, and they want to share it. So they're like, I'm going to go home and tell everybody about it. And I think so one person can potentially be 10, 15 people wait, you know, as it is online. So just get out there and talk to friends, family, um, people around the neighborhood. I go down to my coffee shop here in the morning every other day, you know, and just uh, tell everybody there because I get really passionate about it. And they, uh, they seem to like that. You know, people get excited to, uh, to hear what's going on in the neighborhood. So it's pretty cool. Marcin, that is the uh, absolute first for the App Guy podcast. I, and it's, it seems so obvious now thinking about it, but it's one of the marketing strategies that we often, well, neglect is a physical, a physical presence, you know, going to events and showcasing it and getting people excited physically. Uh, I, I must admit that's an absolute golden nugget for um, an idea and, uh, and a, a launch, launching an app. So uh, thanks for sharing that. That's great. Uh, in, in the last few minutes, I was just wondering, um, do you have any final thoughts you'd like to share with the audience? Oh, final thoughts. Um, I would say that follow your dream. You know, that's, that's the biggest thing. I feel like um, it's kind of, I guess, preaching to the choir with all the entrepreneurs probably listening to this. But, you know, if you have an idea, if you have something that you're passionate about, is do everything you can to make that happen. Because five years will pass and you'll realize that you might be at the same step as you were. So if you have any idea, any kind of dream, just start pursuing it and taking the baby steps to accomplishing certain tasks and certain goals and moving that idea along. And maybe one day it'll get big enough where you can get somebody excited about it. And then maybe you can start collaborating and actually building something that's, that's real. So that's definitely one thing that I always try to, to just to share with people. And it's something that I felt like I was given. And I just love sharing that with, you know, just follow your dream and get out there and actually do it. So the action definitely is, is a huge part of that. Yeah, following your dream. And uh, that's one of the, the biggest uh, insights that I would suggest as well. And you've reminded me of my, my dream that I completely forgot about when I was five years old doing that uh, movie. I was trying to recreate Star Wars. And uh, I understand that there, J.J. Um, Abrams is doing a contest to appear in Star Wars. Uh, I think mm-hmm. there's a YouTube video out recently, so maybe I need to apply for that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you should. Yeah. You never know, right? <laughs> yeah, it's just down the road from, from me where they're filming at Pinewood Studios. So uh, maybe I could just hop over the fence or something, gate crash one of the sets. Uh, um, yeah, how best can we get in touch with you? I mean, you've inspired me. You've inspired, no doubt, a lot of people listening. And how best can we reach out and connect with you? Sure. Um, the, the best way is probably through Twitter, um, at Marcin Teodoro. And, um, and then also email, which is Marcin at fingertipmaestro.com. Great. Okay. And, and uh, if anyone's struggling to find that, then uh, uh, you're the easiest person to Google <laughs> on the internet. That's uh, the benefits of having a unique name, I guess. But uh, Marcin, it's been a wonderful journey. Thanks ever so much for sharing uh, your story and inspiring all of us. Uh, we wish you all the best and uh, you're welcome back anytime <laughs> Paul thank you so much it was a pleasure it was a fun time thank you for listening to this podcast stay tuned for the next episode if you want to be a guest on the show or suggest someone then please send an email to info at onemob.com the app guy podcast <laughs>